Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue. My name's Heather. And I'm Erin. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM. You may also be listening online, digital radio or podcasting, so there's no excuse. Listen to us. Now. (laughs) So today's show, we are going to be covering uh, scuba diving and also a little bit about some recent news of what is happening in Indonesia at the moment. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is on again. See the impact of climate change and meet heroes fighting for justice. Witness the beauty of nature and hear the sounds of our world. Meet the filmmakers and experts inspiring change and join the conversation to create a sustainable future. Face the facts, face the future, face the films. The Environmental Film Festival Australia, in Melbourne from October the 11th to the 19th. Tickets at effa.org.au. A 3CR supporter. All right. Well, it is Sunday. It is actually sunny. I think I think summer's on its way. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit grey and miserable still out there. No, it sort I don't of know. doesn't know. There's a hint. Look, on Thursday it was sunny, it was great, and then on Friday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It sort of doesn't it doesn't know exactly what season is yet. Well, we live in Melbourne. That's right. We know it's footy season. It's being Melbourne. (laughs) Well, it's the end of footy season. Congratulations to West Coast yesterday. Hooray. Um, Well, yesterday, rather than sitting down in front of the TV to watch the footy from whatever time the footage started, um, I actually did something great. I went and got my dive gear serviced. So I think I've only managed uh, one dive this year. Right. Which I appreciate is pathetic. But it's been cold. It's been cold. And I've coming. looked at my gear and it did need a service um, because obviously you rely on that underwater. It's it's life and death. Yep. So important. I was looking at it. I was like, mm, yeah, I think it needs a service. So I docked on down to Ocean Divers and Warwick was fantastic. We talked through my dive gear and he was telling me, unfortunately, even the dive industry now is moving to more of a throwaway society. Now, we're seeing that in lots of other places, but he was telling me how some of the parts for the gear, which I I may or may not need, he hasn't looked at it yet, um, they just replace them now. They don't even fix them. It's just, it's cheaper to replace. In the past, they they would repair these things. You would repair them, exactly, because that's what you do. You repair things. Unfortunately, I think that is a typical statement for a lot of different things these days. I'm just disappointed it's happening in the dive industry. I mean, divers are so aware of all the plastic in the ocean already. It's such a shame. Yeah, look, I think when I was growing up, I still remember seeing a lot of uh, repair shops. You'd repair your toaster, your your TV, you name it, your washing machine. Now, it's broke, chuck it out, get a new one. Yeah, I mean, some repair cafes are beginning to open. Oh, okay. But 
in some places they're being completely inundated with people who want to fix things and they just can't keep up with demand. Right. Which then puts people off because if you have to wait to repair it, then you're just going to go and buy a new one. That's right. Can't do without the washing no. machine. No. And look, I've had this dive gear for a while. I bought it oh, probably six years ago now and I was going on um, – Great diving adventure to Indonesia. I found a resort and I was going to go and volunteer there for six weeks and do a lot of ocean cleanups and a lot of education with guests about, you know, the animals that are there and the environment and how the resort is trying to change their particular reef um, to improve conditions there for the, for the fish and for the octopus and for the sharks. I didn't see a shark though. Um, yeah, just some really good stuff. For the greater but- good. Exactly. But unfortunately, Indonesia has been in the news uh, in the last day or two. Um, But before we cover what has happened, I guess a lot of people know where Indonesia is, but they may not appreciate Indonesia as a nation. I mean, I think Australians appreciate Bali. That's right. Yeah. I haven't been to Bali. Uh, I don't don't want to go to Bali. but um... Look, I didn't want to either, I'll be honest, but... If you avoid the area where the Australian bogans are hanging out, uh, Indonesia is quite nice and Uh, Bali is quite nice if you get away from Kuta. Um, So Indonesia is obviously a group of islands. Lots of people would know it's made up of over 17,500 islands. Okay. Yeah. North of Australia. And like I said, most people would know about Bali or Borneo, which is obviously the other one where people are going for the orangutans. Um. So Indonesia itself sits on what is called the Ring of Fire. Which already just has a dramatic tone dun, to it. Dun, dun. Yeah, we can just play some music here. <laughs> I feel like it could be an Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Ring of Fire. <laughs> well, I mean, it could also be a, a movie about eating chili in the next morning. But hey, look. Oh, yeah, no, sticking okay. topic. Yep, hadn't thought about that. So the Ring of Fire <laughs> is 40,000 kilometres. It's a horseshoe shape. It's in the basin of the Pacific Ocean. So it sort of travels from Indonesia, from um, New Zealand, sorry, and it heads up north and it goes around Japan, it goes across the top, and then it comes down the coast of America and down South America. It's quite a huge area. All huge, the Pacific Ocean. Massive. Huge. And it's called the Ring of Fire because this area is notorious for earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. And this is due to the volcanoes in the area, which are due to the fault lines of the tectonic plates. Well, yeah, running all, all along that uh, tectonic plate, pushing up against the continental shelf there. Yeah, so the ring of fire and the tectonic plate movements um, have been responsible for many, many earthquakes. Lots of people are familiar with the earthquakes in California or Japan. We are very aware of earthquakes that happen in Japan. Oh, yes. Um, places like Christchurch in New Zealand, obviously had the massive quakes in um, 2011 and that's had a huge impact on the area. A lot of buildings were destroyed and it's still very unsettled. People are still very nervous in the area. The unfortunate thing about this uh, continental shelf movement is it creates islands, it creates continents. Yes. And guess where we live? Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, we're in the middle of a plate though. Yeah, Australia is, yeah. We are very lucky in Australia. We're in the middle of a plate and that's why when we get an earthquake, we all go a little bit nuts (laughs) and it goes all over Facebook and we look like idiots because we just overreact to the teeniest, tiniest shake. Um, You mentioned before that Chile also experienced a massive earthquake in, right. in 2015, 2015, I think it was. 8.2 magnitude, and that is massive. That is a That's massive earthquake. That's a huge earthquake. quake. Now, from memory, I believe it was a very, very low death toll, about three people, which obviously terrible for them. But 
considering the 8.2 magnitude. That That is astounding. Yeah. You would expect a much higher death toll than that. That's right. But if you're aware of the uh, South America at all, you're aware of the Andes and it runs from... Are you going to uh, mention Patagonia again? I am going to mention it runs... <laughs> It runs from Ecuador all the way down to Patagonia, and that mountain range is mm. caused uh, by that tectonic sh- shift movement. Uh, slamming yeah. into that continental shelf, the uh, continental slamming shelf, at a very slow rate though. We slow just rate, need to, slow yeah, rate. Yep. Clarify well, that. I mean, there's a lot of pressure there, and that is ex- that's what's happening, pushing the Andes up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, the the tallest uh, mountain in the world, not Everest, Chimborazo. So, the, because of the Earth's curvature, is actually in Peru. It is the furthest into the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, yeah, I so, did not know that. So I've actually been pretty close to the, the the first you can get out there. That's pretty crazy. Now, that's earthquakes. Obviously, we yep. have had some volcanoes. Now, if I go back to Bali, everyone was obviously aware of the uh, volcano in July this year, which disrupts uh, air travel and also affects the locals in the area. But most people just get annoyed because their flights are delayed. That's right. Particularly if you're leaving Australia. I guess if you're already there, your holiday gets extended slightly. As long as you're not in the danger zone. Well, that's right. You might be staying there longer, but um, imminent, you know, cloud of ash and um, possibly lava. But this, this yeah, time it's appealing, isn't okay. it? It's like doom. <laughs> um, and then we've got Hawaii, which was May this year. That was incredible. The footage was of the lava astounding. Oh, it was incredible. Just slowly, just taking over towns, over some roads, um, consuming cars, uh, horrifying, but at the same time, so fascinating. Fascinating, and that's. That's sort of what I picture, like, when they showed, yeah, that lava rolling down the roads and taking over cars and houses and things. That's what I imagine, obviously, the modern version of. Um, that's what I imagine it was like in Pompeii when the lava and the ash and everything came through Pompeii and just completely covered it, well, obviously still, without cars. They're still finding people <laughs> uh, who were buried in the ash cloud there. Yeah. They went inside, they hid inside their houses as, you know, makes sense. Yes. But, of course, the ash cloud um, and the, the chemicals and the gases – uh, knocked them off, and then yeah, they were, they were just covered. It's absolutely crazy, mm. and obviously the most devastating in in recent times um, from the Ring of Fire was the massive tsunami in December two thousand and four. That's right. So that was a nine point one earthquake that then caused the tsunami to come through, and Banda Aceh was quite badly hit, as were a dozen other countries. And they lost 230,000 people. That was an incredible. I, I think everyone remembers that. Um, yeah. Incredible loss of life. So in that particular instance, the Indian continental shelf was pushed against the uh, the continent shelf where the, where the actual islands are. And it got stuck. So every year it moves roughly on average about 2.8 inches, which is quite considerable. That's quite a distance. Continental shelf growing and pushing, which yeah. is considerable. And then it slipped. It got stuck and all that energy, all that movement got stuck and built up and it slipped and at some points slipped forward 50 to 60 feet. That I can't even picture that. I, I, I know like the distance. I can picture the distance, but I can't mi- picture an entire tectonic plate Moving that far. Just shifting all at once, all at once, just a, a big release. The the energy release then, of course, was just devastating, yeah. absolutely devastating. The, and we, we saw the results. Yeah. And even the aftermath. I mean, I was there, I think it was around the March of 2006. So we're talking about a year and a bit afterwards. And I went to Phuket and there were still areas that were completely flattened. Wow. Okay. And I mean, I'm- we're talking about a nation or, or multiple nations that don't have a huge amount of money and rebuild is going to be expensive and people just can't afford it. And I just remember thinking, if this is what it looks like on land, imagine what it looks like in the ocean out there. 
That's right. With all right. the debris that's, that's been right. washed out. Yes. Just, oh, it blows my mind. Because it, it, all the water comes in and then it, all the debris crate just goes straight back out. I mean, exactly. And it, it has to settle somewhere. That's right. And just for a bit of a, an idea of the scale of this particular earthquake, uh, the tsunami actually uh, eventually ended up hitting Somalia. So it travelled all that distance, actually wiped out. I there did well. not know that. It wasn't as uh, as heavy as it was um, in the Asiatic countries, but still hit in Somalia. Just just travelled over there and took out everything. Whoa. Okay. Um, so the events of the last few days. So obviously the reason we're covering this is tsunamis are happening in a marine environment, but also we're That's going right. to see the aftermath of this, not only for those communities who are relying on the ocean and relying on fish as their protein, um, but we're going to see it in terms of, you know, navigation of species and things like that as well. Migrations are going to be affected. Absolutely. So for anyone who isn't aware, because our TVs have been completely covered with football footage for the last couple of days, um, there was a 7.5 uh, magnitude quake that hit central Sulawesi, which is the fourth largest island of Indonesia. It hit it at depth of 10 kilometres and there has since been an aftershock of 6.7 on the Richter scale as well. So something to keep in mind is the Richter scale doesn't just go up in normal increments like you would expect on a graph. Um, it's exponential. It's so a even, logarithmic scale. Yeah, exactly. So even a teeny tiny change, even a 6.6 to a 6.7, there is a big difference between those two. That's right. And the difference between a 6.7 and a 6.8 is even greater. So this is huge impact um, and a tsunami alert was issued by Indonesia's geophysics agency. As you would expect these days, we're a lot more aware of tsunamis. There are boys out there in the ocean that are going to detect these things. So after the earthquake, they did issue the alert and 34 minutes later, that tsunami alert was called off. Now, at this stage, we're not sure why. I'm sure we'll hear about that in the coming days. So stay tuned to the media. Um, but it was called off, and then unfortunately the tsunami did hit. Yeah, obviously there are a lot of questions about this, and I think we're all reeling with the impacts of the tsunami, but we're starting to get filtered information about the officials and the government response and why did they, they, why they call the, off this, uh, this warning. And as important as that is, at the moment the human death toll is going to be the most important thing. We're going to have to get in there and help those people. That's right. So um, the tsunami uh, wave... Most have reported it was approximately three metres tall, which when you're thinking about these coastal places, their buildings are not tall. That no. is going to completely engulf a building. Um, some are reporting the wave got as tall as six in some areas and it hit uh, Palu at dusk on Friday. So Palu is in central Sulawesi. Now, currently the death toll that they are reporting, this is the latest that I've read this morning, is sitting at around 420 but it's expected to rise much, much higher than that, given Palu is a city with 380,000 people. And the nearby city of Dongala um, also has approximately 300,000 people. And there are very limited reports out of there at this stage due to cuts in the road and the telecommunication systems. So we can only expect that death toll to rise. Yeah, and it could rise quite dramatically, um, which is quite terrible for the people in that region. So they think the reason why uh, Palu has suffered so much is the city is actually built on a narrow bay and they think that's managed to magnify the, fo the force of the tsunami waters because it's been channelled into a narrow bay. Right. And some reports are saying that the, the wave was travelling at, and this is something I, I can't 
picture at all. This is completely beyond my imagination. Uh, they're saying the wave was travelling at 600 kilometres an hour. 600 kilometres an hour? Yeah. No, I can't even fathom that. No. I've been on a, a train in China and I think we got to 380 kilometres an Which hour. Which is impressive. <laughs> and it, it's so fast that you just it just doesn't dawn on you that you're travelling that so fast. You, but we're you, doubling that. You can't react to something at that speed. Of course not. You cannot. Absolutely you can't outrun not. that. Uh, all you can do is prepare prior to, and this is where those questions about the tsunami warning uh, being uh, dropped really come into play because people were not able to react once that tsunami hit. But 600 kilometres an hour, it's coming and there's no, not No, this much is there. eight, 800 kilometres an hour. Okay. So it's even faster. Right. You're right. You've, you've got absolutely no time to react. Now, what they are saying, though, is once the earthquake hit, many locals did seek higher ground. Okay. So we've obviously learnt a lot from the 2004 devastation. Yep. So people did move further up into the hills. Some people were getting to the tops of buildings. Some people were climbing trees. Unfortunately, and this is one of the reasons why they do think the death toll will rise, is at the time on Friday evening, just before the sun went down, there were beach festival preparations going on on the beach in Palu. And they're not sure how many of those people, when the earthquake hit, how many of those people left the beach preparations and right. headed to higher ground. Right. So this is this is really hard. I mean, a tsunami is going to devastate no matter where it hits anywhere on the planet. But when you've got low-lying coastal communities, it's obviously going to have a much, much greater effect. Not only is all their infrastructure and their population surrounding that area, but they also utilise the sea. So that proximity to the sea is something that is... Um, well, something that we often don't uh, really understand in a Western society where we can live quite far inland. They, everything they do is surrounded, um, relies on that ocean. They are so connected to the ocean. They are out there and fishing. They are out there. Just everything is relating to the ocean. This is going to have such long-lasting impacts. And what's really frustrating me is I, I watched a bit of the news last night and I watched a bit of the news yesterday morning Yep. because it, it hit <clears throat> Friday night. We should have been getting massive reports on Saturday morning. And I didn't feel we were. In, in Melbourne, there was something else happening. Yeah. And that's why, yeah. And I want to compare that. And I, I think it's because it's an area where a lot of Australians don't necessarily go. That's right. Now, when I went to Indonesia, I went to North Sulawesi, to a place called Lembe. Beautiful little island off the really, really small top tip of North Sulawesi. Now, they have put on Facebook today that they are completely fine. They felt no effects of the tsunami. Really, really good news for them because I was quite worried about, you know, how far this wave could travel. And if you just said that the one in 2004 made it to Somalia, I mean, that it can travel. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so I was a little worried about them up there, but they are, they are completely fine, which is fantastic. But if we give it a bit of a comparison, in August... Well, July and August, there were a series of major earthquakes that hit Lombok, which is the island to the east of Bali. That probably everyone's heard of. Yes. So, an amazing scuba diving spot. It, I haven't been yet, but I've heard it's absolutely incredible. So, on July 29th, they were hit by 6.4 magnitude earthquake. On August 5th, they were hit by 6.9. And then on August 19th, they were hit by another 6.9. Now, because that's a tourist island... I feel like that got a lot more coverage. Now, in that series of earthquakes, unfortunately, 505 people were reported to have died and dozens of villages were destroyed. 
Now, that's from an earthquake. Yeah. And they had 505. We're getting reports of 420 out of Sulawesi and a wave came through. So not only have things been, not only have you got crumpled buildings like you would with an earthquake, they are crumpled buildings that are now full of sand and mud. That's right. Yeah. I just, I just wish that we could get a little bit more out of it, and you know, people in Australia were a little bit more aware about what's happening, and hopefully over the coming days we'll get a lot more. Is it defined by how related we are to this area? We know of Lombok, we've heard of Lombok, a lot of Australians have visited Lombok, so it's more digestible for the news. I feel like that has a big part in it. I feel like we cover things on the news that we relate to. Yep. So, yes, we go to Bali. We go to Lombok. We know where it is. Um, or we cover things that are on a absolutely massive scale or things that have affected Australians. That's right. We do, so, at the moment, DFAT very... is saying that no Australians have been affected by the tsunami. Oh. But, I mean, this could change. There are people working all over the world. That's right. I'm sure this is going to change in the coming days. But... Just, it's so frustrating. And you just want to go out there. And the thing is, at this stage, it's all about the people. We have to go out there and help the people. That's right. But after that, the problem's going to be that their immediate marine environment has been destroyed. Their livelihood is gone. Coral reefs will get absolutely smashed and impacted. Uh, Debris will be taken out. It'll be floating around. It'll get lodged in places. Uh, It'll be found thousands of kilometres away. These tsunamis have massive impacts, not just on land, but in the oceans. And uh, fish stocks that were previously there and previously we could rely on, they may be interrupted as well. You know, uh, they get taken inland, some of these fish stocks, but also they start disappearing because their food source, their habitat, which is the coral reefs, they're gone. And places like mangroves, so common along the coastlines and so important as a nursery ground. So if your mangroves have been wiped out and that's a nursery ground for your local fish stock that you're relying on, it's just the problem that we have now is we've got to keep those people alive and the problem after that is going to be how do they rebuild their lives. How do we move forward? Yep. How do we move forward? Yep. It's just it's so full on. So we're going to go for a quick song. Let you digest that, note, that. On that lovely note, let's go yep. to the next one. And uh, we'll try and come back with something a little bit more positive after that. Get up, up on the dance floor tonight. I got two left feet and a bottle of red wine. Making me feel like the beating the baseline. Or in my blood, both hands up on a waistline. Get up. All right, that was Barcelona by Ed Sheeran. So welcome back to Out of the Blue. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM. You can also podcast us. We are trying to be as up-to-date as possible with those. Make sure you jump on our Facebook page too. It's Out of the Blue on 3CR. And you can also email us, outoftheblue3cr at gmail.com. So let us know what you want to hear about. So hopefully everyone is going to keep up-to-date with what is happening with the tsunami and the aftermath in Indonesia. We are going to try and end on a happy note or a slightly more positive we note. We want I, everyone to be happy 
on a um, Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So coming up, as we played a little cart before, we have the Environmental Film Festival Australia, which is coming up October 11 to 19. I highly recommend everybody get out there, check out the program. It is online now. There are some absolutely incredible films and they cover all sorts of environmental issues. I am actually going to be volunteering there, so come along, say hello to me. If you don't know what it look like, that's awkward, but that's fine. Come and say hello to all the volunteers at the Environmental <laughs> Film in Festival. Case, it's you. <laughs> they are all working really hard to get those environmental messages out there so that as a global community, we can try and make a difference. Brilliant. Well, unfortunately, that does bring us to the end of the show this week. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can listen to our podcasts. I will put them up as quickly as possible. Um, otherwise, coming up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. So enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.